Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing betrayal bonds, boundaries, and high sensitivity. Hello, y'all. I have had this topic on my mind for over a year because this has been a weird, traumatic, charged, reactive year. Survivors with abandonment issues, I want to name this plainly, we're at high risk of trauma bonding. We're at high risk of trauma bonding regardless if we had traumatic childhoods, but this year put everyone into a collective energy of trauma, of scary unknown. 2020 was spent in fear and in stress. I've thought long and hard about how to present betrayal bonding, and I don't think I can do better than reading a little bit from Dr. Patrick J. Carnes' first chapter of the book, The Betrayal Bond. Now, this book was printed in 1997, and you can still get copies of it, but it's out of print. And that is making me feel old, which is for another episode. (laughs) But also kind of makes me sad because this is a tremendous resource. I've been hesitant to recommend it at times because there's so much information in the book that if you're not working on it with a healer, I find it can be overwhelming and sometimes too triggering in a too much too soon kind of way if you're early in your healing. And I don't often say that about a book because I really believe in looking at this stuff right in the face and not pussyfooting around it. But this is a very powerful book. The full name is The Betrayal Bond, Breaking Free of Exploitive Relationships. So I'm going to read you a little passage, and then I'm going to go through his list of 14 signs of betrayal bonding. I may share a little bit about my journey, and my hope is that this episode will better equip you to self-evaluate the potential trauma bonds in your own life, and to also help you in the future not fall into trauma bonds if you realize that you may have some of these traumatic bonds happening in current relationships, run, don't walk, to a skilled trauma therapist. And if you don't have the money for therapy or the resources in your area, 
or if you are in full-on survival mode and it means that it's just not possible, then you can do what you can do. You're listening to this podcast. You can read books. You can immerse yourself. And those baby steps are very important steps to take until life unfolds in a way that connects you with a healing trauma therapist and the resources to do so. And I hesitate to use the language if it's not possible. In the hardest parts of my life, I've had to make really hard choices and put therapy first. And that often meant for me that money was really tight or I couldn't go and eat out or I couldn't just have as much free time as I wanted. I needed a side gig. And that's not fair, but no one's coming to save us on this journey. And we have to do the work of putting one foot in front of the next to be able to get to the other side. When we do that, things start to come together, even when it feels like an impossibility. This is a personal responsibility practice that we do on the healing path to learn to advocate for what we need, even when it's different than what we want. You're welcome to join the Patreon now or at any time to throw a question into the bucket at our $10 level for our monthly live streams. And you can find mature gurus and mentors to learn from, to absorb from. And if you need to, you can go back and find one of the most popular episodes we've ever done, which is how to find a healthy healer. So let me read from the very first pages of The Betrayal Bond by Dr. Patrick J. Carnes. Betrayal. A breach of trust. Fear. What you thought was true, counted on to be true, was not. It was just smoke and mirrors, outright deceit and lies. Sometimes it was hard to tell because there was just enough truth to make everything seem right. Even a little truth with just the right spin can cover the outrageous. Worse, there are the sincerity and care that obscure what you have lost. You can see the outlines of it now. It was exploitation. You were used. Everything in you wants to believe you weren't. Please make it not so, you pray. Yet enough has emerged. Facts, undeniable. You sizzle with anger. Betrayal. You can't explain it away anymore. A pattern exists. You know that now. You can no longer return to the way it was, which was never really as it seemed. That would be unbearable. But to move forward means certain pain. No escape. No in-between. Choices have to be made today, not tomorrow. The usual ways you numb yourself will not work. The reality is too great too relentless. Betrayal, a form of abandonment. Often the abandonment is difficult to see because the betrayer can be still close, even intimate, or maybe intruding in your life. Yet your interests, your well-being is continually sacrificed. Abandonment is at the core of addictions. Abandonment causes deep shame. Abandonment by betrayal is worse than mindless neglect. Betrayal is purposeful and self-serving. If severe enough, 
it is traumatic. What moves betrayal into the realm of trauma is fear and terror. If the wound is deep enough and the terror big enough, your bodily systems shift to an alarm state. You never feel safe. You're always on full alert, just waiting for the hurt to begin again. In that state of readiness, you're unaware that part of you has died. You are grieving. Like everyone who has loss, you have shock and disbelief, fear, loneliness, and sadness. Yet you are unaware of these feelings because your guard is up. In your readiness, you abandon yourself. Yes, another abandonment. But that is not the worst. The worst is a mind-numbing, highly addictive attachment to the people who have hurt you. You may even try to explain and help them understand what they are doing. Convert them into non-abusers. You may even blame yourself, your defects, your failed efforts. You strive to do better as your life slips away in the swirl of the intensity. These attachments cause you to distrust your own judgment, distort your own realities, and place yourself at an even greater risk. The great irony? You are bracing yourself against further hurt. The result? A guarantee of more pain. These attachments have a name. They are called betrayal bonds. Exploitive relationships create betrayal bonds. These occur when a victim bonds with someone who is destructive to him or her. Thus, the hostage becomes the champion of the hostage taker. The incest victim covers for the parent and the exploited employee fails to expose the wrongdoing of the boss. Sexual exploitation by professionals, such as priests from the Catholic Church, and kidnappings of children can grab national attention. Yet the bonds formed in those situations have much in common with the experiences most of us have. We typically think of bonding as something good. We use phrases like male bonding and marital bonds, referring to something positive. Yet bonds are neutral. They can be good or bad. Consider destructive marriages as in the movie The War of the Roses, in which the attachment results in a mutually destructive bond that cannot be broken. Partners cannot leave each other. The bond is so strong even when they clearly know the risks. Similarly, adult survivors of abuse and dysfunctional families struggle with bonds that are rooted in their own betrayal experiences. Loyalty to that which does not work, or worse, to a person who is toxic, exploitive, or destructive to you, is a form of insanity. I want to go over with you his list of a number of signs that indicate the presence of a betrayal bond. And after I read that, I don't know about you, but I need to take a deep breath. I'm sure many of you listening could see part of your history or part of your current situation within the words that I read. The first sign of a betrayal bond, number one, when everyone around you has strong negative reactions, yet you continue covering up, defending, or explaining a relationship. Take a moment to reflect on that. Was that something you've done in life, historically or now? Is it an outlier? Is it a certain type of person? 
that elicits this response from you? Or is it many types and varied? Number two, when there is a constant pattern of non-performance and yet you continue to believe false promises, there's a very useful tool that comes from Al-Anon, the sister group for codependent people. AA is for Alcoholics Anonymous. Al-Anon are for the people who love alcoholics, the codependents. And the tool that is so simple and so powerful to use in trauma bonding addresses this number two, when there is a constant pattern of non-performance and yet you continue to believe false promises. That tool from Al-Anon is turn down the volume, look at the behavior. Highly sensitive people, we are at risk of falling for people's words and promises. We may project a certain amount of honesty that we feel walking through the world onto other people and then be shocked when their words don't match their behaviors. There's also truth in we want to believe the promises and we really don't know how to allow people to sit in their natural consequences or to provide natural consequences like leaving, like being done, like saying, no, you don't get any attention further from me because of this bad behavior. Because if we have an abandonment wound, we don't want to be abandoned. So we can buy cheap words which build frustration, resentment, anger later. Number three, this is a sign that indicates the presence of a betrayal bond. When there are repetitive, destructive fights that nobody wins, if you have fights with someone where at the end of the fight you have no idea why y'all fought or who was upset first, and it just becomes a mess of upset, you are likely to be trauma-bound. Number four, when others are horrified by something that has happened to you, and you are not. Now that confuses us when we come from a dysfunctional family. Because often simple things are met with a horrified energy. And big things are not. There's a lot that gets flip-flopped. If you've been a diehard listener of the show, you've heard me mention that random times. That trauma flip-flops things. So that's something to check out, to go deep within. If trusted people that feel grounded to you have a horrified response, and you do not, to sit with yourself, to journal about that, to write to think, to talk it out with a therapist. What's going on there? Number five, when you obsess over showing someone that he or she is wrong about you, your relationship, or the person's treatment of you. Anybody who has ever felt like the scapegoat, I think will resonate with this. If you have been the scapegoat in your family or in a family that you married into, or in a work family, or a yoga studio family, or a gym family, or a church family, if you have felt a certain obsession, a certain intensity over proving and showing that what other people think about you is wrong, you may be trauma-bound. Now, why is that an indicator of trauma bonding? 
Because if we're trauma bound to someone else, it's likely, I would say it's probably, it's got to be definite that we're not securely attached to ourselves. Because if we're securely attached to ourselves, we really can't trauma bond to someone else. Because that security with ourself acts as a protector. Doesn't mean it can't get broken down. If we have a master manipulator that's really working us and we're secure, we can certainly become insecure, untethered, anxiously attached. But we're more likely to be able to feel out our intuitive response and our commitment to taking care of ourselves if and when we've done the work, not just in our heads, but in our bodies to be able to feel a certain amount of security. So if we're obsessing over what other people think of us, And wanting to make that right, it's probably coming from a place of insecurity because security says, well, that's unfortunate, but I don't need to change their mind. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Number six, when you feel stuck because you know what the other person is doing is destructive, but believe you cannot do anything about it. This speaks to an incredible amount of powerlessness that we can feel if we are in a toxic relationship. This is often where we learn how to overthink. If we are young and we are watching things that we know are wrong, that we know are destructive, but feel incredibly powerless because we can't walk out of the house, we can't get in the car and drive away, we can't hop a plane to somewhere else. If we're a child, we are beholden In a sense, I'm saying that we can learn stuckness and healing helps us learn that we're never stuck and that we can always act or change or correct course. Number seven, another sign that indicates the presence of a betrayal bond. When you feel loyal to someone, even though you harbor secrets that are damaging to others. Because we are highly sensitive people, we have the propensity to overly attach and to become overly loyal to others. Becoming more secure with ourselves, in essence, is a way to be more loyal to ourselves, more self-respecting. As we heal the abandonment wound, we become more secure. So the someone that we want to feel the most loyal to is actually ourselves, And depending on where you are with your work, that's a little scary because that's going to sound selfish to you in the bad way. 
but we get to be ish about ourselves. That's my joke. I'm really pulling from AA and Al-Anon today. But in AA, the very famous saying is, we're as sick as our secrets. So if we feel loyal to someone, even though we're harboring secrets for them that are damaging to others, and as highly sensitive people, we value authenticity and integrity, ooh, that's going to be real icky. This is a big reason why you hear me talk about simplifying in so many ways, and that I'm trying to show you simplifying some of these concepts. Because when we get lost in our overthinking, lost in our heads, lost in our loyalty, we do things against our own moral code, like harbor damaging secrets, like hide someone's abusive behavior, things that don't resonate with our spirit or with our higher self. And that's depressing. That's even, in a way, cruel to ourselves to act in ways against our moral fiber. Number eight, another sign of trauma bonding. When you move closer to someone you know is destructive to you with the desire of converting them to a non-abuser. This is a very hard one for a tribe that tends to lean people-pleasing or codependent. I talk a lot in my boundaries course. You can't sign up for it yet for 2021, but you will be able to soon. If you're interested in that, come find me on either newsletter so that you'll get an alert when it's time for the boundaries course sign up. I work a lot in that course with you on how to accept the dysfunction that you've seen in another, how to accept how they're showing you they show up in the world, accepting of the patterns. Accepting that we don't have the power to change another person. Accepting that it takes a lot of insight, a lot of personal responsibility, a lot of honesty, a lot of showing up to let go of abusive things, to change our patterns, and to, be, and to learn to be radically honest with ourselves about whether or not that's happening with another person. If not, we may be practicing dysfunctional hope hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping that someone will just magically turn into a non-abuser who continues to show up in an abusive way. To be kind to ourselves at a point, we must face some of these facts, even when we don't like them or don't want them to be true. To be able to release ourselves, to be able to move on, to be able to grow and not thwart our growth. Number nine, When someone's talents, charisma, or contributions cause you to overlook destructive, exploitive, or degrading acts. This might sound a little silly, but it'll make the point. When I was 50 pounds overweight and just really feeling heavy and sluggish and weighed down, I think I might have had a little trauma bond with Popeye's chicken. And I would make little deals with myself that were incredibly irrational and false. Like, I can eat a whole lot of broccoli, just plain broccoli, and that will somehow cancel out the Popeye's chicken and biscuits that I ate. And that's not how it works. That is not how it works. And it doesn't work that way with people either. I'll read that one again. When someone's talents, charisma, or contributions cause us to overlook destructive, exploitive, or degrading acts. Now, certainly the chicken was not exploiting me or degrading me. But it's about not making excuses, not covering up one thing with another, 
not excusing what doesn't work because there are things that do work. There's no amount of good we can throw at anything that erases the bad. We're learning to hold multiple truths and honor ourselves with balance. Number 10, there are 14. When you cannot, when you cannot detach from someone even though you do not trust, like, or care for the person, Many of us who have abandonment issues don't give ourselves permission to leave until something has turned to total shit. I'm not sure who needs to hear that today so bluntly, but I'm feeling called to say it like that. When you cannot detach from someone even though you do not trust, like, or care for the person. Often when I hear people talk about, oh, couples therapy didn't work for me, It's often because it's a toxic relationship where two people are at the point of not even trusting, liking, or caring for each other, and they wait till that moment to go sit with a couple's therapist. And often it's too late, or it was always too late. That's not about couple's therapy not working. That's about, we were toxic, and this can't work. Number 11. When you find yourself missing a relationship, even to the point of nostalgia and longing that was so awful, it almost destroyed you. I remember being at a friend's dad's funeral many years ago. She was about 20 years older than I am. And she had always described her father to be mean, cruel, physically abusive, cold. But then we got to the funeral and... The family played one of those photo montages that makes everyone look like a saint. Music and slow fades in and out of smiling holidays. And she started talking to me about how wonderful her father had been. Just this this entirely flipped story. And I'm glad I didn't stop to think because I would have edited myself. I would have created a story of that's not appropriate. Nikki, shut up. Don't say that. It's the funeral. Let her go through her process. But it slid out of my mouth in an intuitive way without thinking. And I just said, what are you talking about? You didn't even like him. And she blinked. And it was like she came out of a trance or something. And she looked at me and Then she kind of laughed and said, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm glorifying him now that he's dead. Yeah, that's not who he was. So what's an example of a trauma bond? When you find yourself missing a relationship, even to the point of nostalgia and longing. But it was so awful, it almost destroyed you. Number 12. When extraordinary demands are placed upon you to measure up as a way to cover up that you've been exploited. This often happens in dysfunctional relationships that have domestic violence. That someone is expected to go to the holiday party or to host an event, to measure up, to put on a mask, to cover up that you're brokenhearted, that you're hurt, that you're wounded, that you're scared, that you're exhausted. This is in part why you hear me talk so much about repairing trust with ourselves. We admit on the healing path how we've participated in hurting ourselves. We own it. We look in the mirror. We look into our eyes. And we do work over time. Oh my gosh, I forgive myself. I thought I was doing the right thing and it couldn't have been more wrong. And we repair our trust with ourselves. 
that we are growing into someone learning how to take good care of ourselves, admitting that we once didn't know how. This is truly how we start to feel safer in the world, more secure. Number 13, when you keep secret someone's destructive behavior toward you because of all the good they have done or the importance of their position or career. You know, it's a funny thing that our dysfunctional ego can always create a story that fits. It doesn't necessarily help us. It doesn't necessarily serve us. And it can make things more convoluted, confusing, and dysfunctional. But isn't it interesting that when someone is partnered with someone who's abusive and they have a high position, they often want to protect that and can create a story about how it's right to protect a judge or a police officer or a counselor or a doctor from the natural consequences of their behavior. This is often where codependency will show up, managing another person, managing a storyline, thinking that it's for the greater good and it's just digging the dysfunction hole deeper. If this is a trap that you fall into a lot, consider what it might be like to have a commitment to yourself to not hold any secrets. I don't remember how many years ago, but at some point I started making a commitment to myself that was, I don't hold secrets for anybody. I hold confidentiality for my clients, but I don't hold secrets for anybody. So if you're ever hanging out with me and you hear someone say, oh, I've got a secret, the first thing that you'll hear fly out of my mouth is, I don't keep any secrets, so you might not want to tell me. I don't hold secrets for other people because I've had to learn this very lesson the hard way. And that's part of how I repaired trust with myself. And each time I do that, each time I say out loud, hey, hey, I'm not going to keep that secret. Mm -mm. It's showing my inner child that I'm honoring that commitment. And that's a big part of healing and growth and trust repair. Because I want to be bonded to myself. I want to be bonded to my inner child, not trauma bond through a yo-yo of hurting and failing and lying to her. I work to keep my commitments to her as a mission of self-respect. Number 14, and the last sign that I'm going to share with you today, when the history of your relationship is about contracts or promises that have been broken and that you were asked to overlook. These trauma bonds can form in families, in friendships, in business, in church, in yoga. They certainly form in cults. Very strict shaming religious practices will form betrayal bonds. I went over a lot in this episode today. If you need to with me, I invite you to just take a big, giant, and deep breath. There's a lot to face on the healing path, but you don't have to face all of it today. I feel compelled to say this for whoever needs it. It can be enough to just listen to this today. Sometimes we hear something and we just let it marinate. We might give it a few days and listen to it again if it hits something for you. And for others of you who don't have so much trauma bonding in your present moment or in your history, today's episode may have made sense of someone that you love that you witness in their trauma bonding. And as hard as it is, you can't fix it or minimize it for them either. We each move through our path at our own pace. 
And sometimes being the witness to someone else's struggle is very hard. So if you're in that boat, be kind to yourself and kind to your own inner child. It's hard for a child to realize that we're powerless about certain things that we very much wish we had the magic to sprinkle and change for ourselves and for others. Healing in all forms really is about becoming more and more secure within this self. There's so much healing that's available to you. This might be a weird episode for me to mention it in, but by the next time I record, Chris and I will be married. By addressing all of the trauma bonds in my history and working through each piece, slowly but surely, I have come to a place of security within myself. And I know many of you listening will hear that and wonder, I don't know if that's available to me. I might have been through too much. I feel a little too crazy on the inside sometimes. I promise you I have felt all of that in desperation and shouting at the skies and beating my hands on the ground in wondering if it would ever be enough to feel release. And I promise you it is. If you're in the thick of it, keep going. It gets better. It gets easier. Security is available for you to grow into. And when we do, from that place, we attract more people who also have security. And none of us need to be perfectly secure. I certainly am not. Today, in this moment, I'm even grateful for the pain. It forced me to grow into a better version of myself than I would have been otherwise. I'm glad that you out there listening are on this planet committed to this work. This work will pay you back. It will. Just keep going. And you are worth it. If this episode or any other resonates with you, if it helps you figure something out, if it helps you connect a dot that you didn't even know that you needed connected, please consider helping out the show by working the funky iTunes algorithm that is a little bit of a mystery, but the best way to work it is to get on iTunes and give us a five-star review. When you do that, it works that algorithm to put the show in front of new listeners. Rarely a day goes by when we don't get a message somewhere from someone who is figuring out that they're not crazy, they're highly sensitive, and that this is a gift. We can't do that without you sharing the show. Y'all have really been our marketing team from the beginning. If you'd like to share an episode, you can do that from emotionalbadass.com. That's probably the easiest way since all of us listen to podcasts on different applications. If you want to while you're there, come check out our stripped down meditations. We've released season three with a bonus meditation that you have not heard on the iTunes feed. Those meditations on our website are stripped down. There's no explanation. There's no intro music. There's no outro music so that it can just be pure you, my voice, music, meditation. For those of you who want to listen to sort of reprogram, to let go, to soothe nervous system, can go find those at emotionalbadass.com backslash store. I'm an emotional badass, you're an emotional badass, and together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I'll see you next time. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com.